Hello and welcome to another Be Your Own Loud podcast. I'm your host, Matt Halloran, and this is brought to you by Proudmouth. This show is a very simple foundation to meet amazing people who've risen above the noise, who are unapologetically themselves and embodied being their own loud. Using these interviews as inspiration, our purpose is to help you amplify your voice to become the subject matter authority you're meant to be. Our guest today is Josh Steinle, who's generated over $10 million in revenue for his business by building a thought leadership system that includes books, speaking appearance, and over 300 articles published in magazines like, I don't know, Freaking Fortune, Time, Forbes, Mashable Tech Crunch, and Entrepreneur. Josh is the creator of the Seven Systems of Influence framework used by entrepreneurs, educators, and parents, and community leaders to build influence and increase impact. He's also the founder of Published Author, a company that assists entrepreneurs to publish nonfiction how-to books that they can use to leverage to grow their business. And he's also a fellow podcaster. He is the host of the Published Author podcast. Now, before we jump in with Josh, I want to just give you a quick preview here. Josh is going to walk through a whole bunch of different pieces of what you need to do and the mindset you need to be in in order to publish your own book. We're going to talk about how you get started, really some of the ways that you can use your book to market, and also just some really good ideas that Josh has about what it's like to be an author and how you can use that to grow your business. Josh, welcome to the show. Be your own loud. Thank you so much, Matt. I start with the same question, Josh, with absolutely everybody on the show, which is, I want to know your story. How did you get to being where you are right now and doing what you're doing? Well, it wasn't at all where I intended to be, that's for sure. When I was a kid, I thought I was going to be an artist. I went to art school for a year of college. And then when I was in art school, I discovered that there was this other school at college called the business school. And I... I don't know how I got into college without knowing that business school was a thing, but somehow I did. And I looked at business school and I said, wait a second, this is what I did when I was a kid. I used to start businesses when I was a kid. I ran a skate shop and I sold stuff and I loved entrepreneurship, but I didn't realize you could study entrepreneurship at school. And so once I found this out, I said, you know what? I love art, but I'm switching over to business and entrepreneurship, and I'm going to go start businesses or run businesses or do something like that. And so I switched over to studying business. And while I was in business school, this is the end of the 90s when everybody was starting their dot-coms and these tech businesses. This is when Amazon started and eBay and all these huge companies. And I looked at everybody running around raising VC money, and I thought, that would be fun. Why can't I do that? These are all a bunch of dropouts. They're not geniuses. I could do this. And I thought, I'm going to go start my own business. And turns out maybe they are geniuses because my business didn't turn out quite as well as the uh, Amazons and Ebays of the world. But I did start a business doing web design and then later search engine optimization and other digital marketing stuff. And that business kind of stumbled its way forward for a number of years, as in a lot of years, about 13 years. And after about 13 years, we were on the verge of going out of business. We had lost most of our clients. I wasn't bringing in new clients. I mean, I was a marketer, but I really didn't know how to do my own marketing. And everything shifted in 2013 because that's when I got the opportunity to write for Forbes magazine. It was an opportunity that dropped into my lap. I mean, I'd been writing for a long time. I'd been blogging, but nobody cared what I was writing. But once I got into Forbes and started writing there, suddenly people cared what I was writing about because they cared about Forbes. 
And writing for Forbes opened up doors to write for all these other publications, Mashable, TechCrunch, Fortune, Entrepreneur Inc. Ended up writing, like you said in the intro, about 300 plus articles for about two dozen publications. And that traffic generated the millions of dollars that we talked about for my business. And it also landed me a book deal and a TEDx talk. And I started getting paid to speak around the world. And I thought, this is amazing. This is great. And the best part of it was I didn't have to go out and sell to anybody. People were coming to us. I mean, we were literally getting people calling up and saying, I've read a bunch of your articles. We want to work with you. Send me a contract. And I'm like, wait, who are you? What, what are we doing for you? Just yeah. send me a contract. It's like, this is the dream come true, right? For anybody in sales or marketing. I was doing this, but I had some partners and I decided to turn the business over to them and let them run it, which freed up my time. And at the same time, people were starting to come to me and say, hey, can you help me do what you did? I want to get speaking engagements. I want to write the book. I want to build my personal brand and engage in thought leadership and write these articles and everything. And I want to grow my business doing that. And so I started coaching people. And what I realized was the real core of what a lot of these thought leaders need is a book. When you have a book at the core, it grants a certain authority that nothing else quite does the way that a book does. Uh, I mean, if you want to go speak at an event, the event organizer, they look down a list of authors and they say, who's the expert on this topic? Well, if they've written a book, they must be the expert. And so that's how I got into coaching people specifically on how to write a book and then how to build a thought leadership system around that, that will grow your business and bring in the millions like it's done for me and make an impact while doing it. Because the people I'm working with, they don't just want to write a book. They don't just want to make millions of dollars. They also want to change the world in some way. And a book is such a great vehicle for doing that as well. Well, you've hit on a whole bunch of topics that we love to talk about. Number one, freeing the world's experts from sales. You freed yourself from sales, my friend. And you did that through sharing your thought leadership and doing that. Now now you have a podcast. You didn't have a podcast back then, but with your articles, with your book, we get asked often, Josh, what do you... How do you even begin? I mean, writing a book is overwhelming. I was just on your show. I published or your show. I was published two books. Uh, the first one was terrifically overwhelming. The second one was only moderately overwhelming. But that getting that that step one when you're interviewing somebody, how do you know who should write a book, right? And then what are your steps? What where? How do you get them juiced up and ready to go? So. As far as that question, who should write a book? I mean, I think everybody should write a book. Now, whether that book is marketable and it's going to sell and it's going to grow your business, that's a separate thing. Everybody should be writing multiple books, really, even if only for your family, if only for yourself. It's a great experience. It's a great thing to leave behind as a legacy. Now, as far as growing your business, the question is, do you have people that if you share that type of information with them, they're going to respond to that and say, hey, I want to work with this person because they're the expert on this topic. So for example, Elon Musk, if he wrote a book, I'm not sure it would really make any difference for his business because he's already out there. He's already famous. The business is more than just Elon Musk. In fact, if he wrote a book, book it might hurt his business. Who knows? He says some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. But there are people out there where a book is not 
quite the right fit for them in terms of growing their business. Now, if you're a consultant or you're running a small business and you're looking to grow this business, then it's probably a great fit for you. I mean, for me, I was running a marketing agency and I thought, gee, if I could get more credibility with chief marketing officers or directors of marketing, the people who are making decisions about hiring agencies, if I had a book, that would give me more credibility. That would give my company more credibility. We would probably get more business from that book. And that's about all the thought I put into it. But that is about all of the thought you need to put into it. If you have a business that you think could de- benefit from you being, an, you being a recognized expert in your field, then it probably makes sense to write a book. Now, the harder part is actually getting started on that sure. book because people say, what kind of book should I write? Well, it should be nonfiction. It should be about what you do, what your agency does. It should demonstrate your expertise. But more than that, What I like to do with people as we're walking them through our process is we start with identity. And identity is two things. It's roles and it's values. So for example, I have a lot of roles in my life. I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a friend, I'm a brother, I'm a son. Those are some of my most important roles. Now in the professional sphere, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a marketer, I'm a system builder, I'm an author, I'm a bunch of these other things as well. So I look at my roles and I say, when it comes to my business and it comes to writing a book, which of these roles really is important? Being an entrepreneur, that's part of it. Being a marketer, that's part of it. Being an author, that's part of it. These are my roles. And then I start looking at my values. And I say, well, what are some of my most important values in life? Honesty and integrity, working hard, growth, mindset. These are some of the values that matter to me. And so I look at that and I say, well, that forms my identity. And my identity, my identity determines the actions I take and how I live my life. And I want to write a book that fits with my identity. So I look at myself and I say, I'm a marketer. I mean, this is going back to my first book. I thought about this and I said, well, I'm a marketer. I run a marketing agency. I really believe in this growth mindset. I want to write a marketing book that deals with growth and something that I can be proud of, that I feel like this is fundamental to who I am as a person. This is where you really get started if you want to get nitty gritty and fundamental with things. So once you have that core identity set up and identified, Then you start asking questions like, well, what is my dream for my identity as an entrepreneur? Do you want to double your business? Do you want to make a certain impact? Do you, what is it that you are trying to do with your business? So for me, I believe that most people in the world are good. And if I can help more people become influential, they'll use that influence to do good things in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's why I run this published author company is I want to help people expand their influence and get their message out there. So for me, that's part of my dream. That's part of what my vision for the world is helping people become more influential. And yes, I'd like the business to grow and make some money and be able to pay the bills so that I can live inside and wear clothes and things like that. I have a a vision and then I say, okay, how is this vision going to be realized? I need to figure out as I'm writing this book, what is it that makes me special? My, what's my genius zone? How can I leverage what is unique about me to write the right book that's going to impact the audience, which is the next thing that we talk about. Mm-hmm. And so I start looking at my genius zone and I say, what am I good at? And what 
makes me unique in terms of background, knowledge, experience, skills, things like that. And I said, well, I've run a marketing agency for 20 years. And I've interviewed a lot of executives as part of my work with Forbes. And I know a lot about digital marketing. I can put these things together and I can write a book about digital marketing for the chief marketing officer. And I can probably write that book better than most people out there because of my background and my experience. And if I add to it a component about here's how to hire the right agency to do the work that you need done. And I talk about that in an honest way that doesn't just promote my company, but is really giving them value. That would be a unique book that I could write. That's probably going to help my agency. I kind of skipped ahead here talking about the audience. I knew that I was going after CMOs and directors of marketing. For some people, it's a little bit harder to identify the right audience because they say, well, my audience is everybody, which it's not. Right. Or it's talking to I'm going to pause you there because you actually go through that. Right. I mean, I, I as a fellow marketer, you can't market to everybody. Right. That's not possible. How do you poke people in the eye and get them to refocus so that their book has that level of focus so that it is going to the right people at the right time? Well, the first question is, how many clients would it take to change your life? For me, in my business, I look at this and I say, gee, my marketing agency, if we landed 10 big clients, that would totally change our business. We'd probably double our revenue because we do high ticket work for a small number of clients. So we don't need all that many clients. If I'm only going after 10 clients, I don't want to market to everybody because I'm going to get a flow of people coming to me who are not the right fit for my business. And then I have to sift through all those people to find the people I really want to work with. And I'm going to take on clients that I shouldn't take on because they're just any old client. When you market to everybody, unfortunately, you might get everybody and you don't really want everybody coming to you. So if I only want 10 or 20 or 50 clients, then I want to narrow down the total population of a million potential clients down to those 50 that I really would want to work with. So I try to focus in on what does my dream client look like? Would I rather work with a client who is close to me geographically or across the world? Well, it's easier to work with somebody who's next door because same time zone, easy to coordinate, easy to meet them in person. Do I want to work with somebody who spends money once or somebody who spends money over time for the next 20 years? I'd rather have a client that spends money for the next 20 years. Do I want to work with somebody who spends a lot of money or a little money? Anyway, there are a bunch of questions you can go through to weed this down and figure out who your ideal audience is so that then you can say, this is the audience I'm going after. Where do they hang out and what kind of message would they respond to? And how can I get my message in front of them where they hang out so that they'll come to me and hire me rather than me constantly chasing them? We figured out who we're going to talk to. You've identified that you are uh, an entrepreneur who wants to do something. And hopefully it's greater than, like you said, just to grow your business, change the world, educate people, having a secondary and tertiary reason for the book. We've we've called... in po- the world of podcasting, as you're doing that first episode, is the hardest thing in the world. So how do you push people to start writing those first words in this blank journal? Because that's a little overwhelming, Josh. Right. So once you have this foundation figured out, then the key is don't sweat it. It's called a vomit draft. That's your first draft. It's a big mess, and then you clean it up. The purpose of a vomit draft is to get all your ideas out there. It's not to write the final copy of your book. And this is where so many people mess up because 
they start writing and they think, I need to write every word perfect from the very start and I'm going to write everything just right and then I'll get to the end and then it's done. That's not how a book is put together. The way that a book is put together is you take notes, you organize notes, you have sticky notes, you have three by five cards, you have Google Docs, you have Word Docs, you have all sorts of stuff with notes all over the place and you're collecting these notes and you're collecting ideas and things start to coalesce and then you start to say, you know what? There's kind of a pattern to this or there, there's a series of steps, there's a method, there's a formula. And those steps become your outline. So let's say you have a formula for doing whatever you do in your business. And there are five steps in this formula. That's your outline right there. Yeah. Now, those are going to be five different chapters or five sections of your book. There's going to be an introduction. There's going to be some sort of epilogue or follow-up at the end. But that's basically the outline of your book. And so you put those things down on a piece of paper and you say, all right, these five things that we walk everybody through in our business that's my outline, or it's 10 things, or it's 15, or it's three, whatever it is, hmm. that's your outline for your book. And then you say, what do we do in these steps? And you start jotting down notes and just writing out your rough thoughts. Again, remember, you don't have to polish this up. You don't even have to capitalize your typing. This is all going to be cleaned up later. Hmm. We're just trying to get the ideas down on paper so that we can move them around and organize them a little bit. So you go from what's called a thin outline, which is a one-page outline that says, this is the basic structure of what I think my book is going to be. And again, you can move this stuff around later, so it doesn't even matter if it's in the right order right now. You get your thin outline, and you think about that, you work on that a little bit, and then you start filling in those blanks in between. And as you start filling this in, if you've already done the right foundation, you have your vision that's clear, you know what your genius zone is, you know who your ideal audience is, you've got your steps that people need to take, it's pretty easy to fill in those blanks because this is the stuff that you tell people all the time whenever they ask questions and they say, hey, how do you do this? Or what are you going to do for me? And you explain it. That's your book. That's the stuff that you're filling in those blanks with. And as you start to fill in the blanks in that thin outline, you're going to get a fat outline. This is what Jer Josh Burnoff, one of my friends, calls it. You're going to get this fat outline and you're probably going to get to 50 or 60 pages of content pretty easily if you're just filling in those blanks and you're not thinking about writing a book, you're just thinking about collecting ideas and collecting notes. You're going to get 50, 60 pages. Then you go in and you say, all right, how do I add case studies and stories to illustrate this? And you start adding those in. You're going to get to 100, 150 pages pretty quick with that. And now you've got a book. And then you bring in an editor and they clean it up. And you don't even have to clean it up yourself. So yeah. <clears throat> I, I, one of my favorite things writing my first book was when, when the, the editor had asked me, how much do you want to be involved in this, Matt? I said, I don't really want to be that involved in it at all. You're the professional writer here. My job was to just get the stuff out on the page. Now, I want to, I want to switch gears on, on two things because so they've written the book. All right. Then, then what do they do? How do you market a book? I mean, there's a lot of books out there. What is What are some of the steps that you take your clients through in order to get the word out and get some attention for this book? So the first thing to understand is that you might not need to market your book at all, because th this goes back to the question of what is the goal here? What are you trying to accomplish? Your book is a business card on steroids. It's the best marketing that you can possibly have. Because, I mean, think about maybe short of podcasts, maybe. But... 
it's such a great marketing tool because think about this. If you went around and you handed out a one page advertisement for your business, nobody would read it. It goes straight in the trash. We call that direct mail. You're not going to get too many people interested in your business by handing out a one page advertisement. And yet you can hand somebody a 200 page advertisement for your business and they will read every page. They will pay for the advertisement. They'll thank you for it if you give it to them. And then they'll call you up and say, hey, I read your 200 page advertisement that you call a book and it was amazing. It was great. Now I want to work with you. I mean, this is the power of a book. It's just fantastic marketing. So once you have a book, the best marketing might be that you send free copies of it to all your potential clients. And maybe nobody buys the book except you, but you're sending it out to potential clients and saying, hey, I want to give you this book. It's a present. And when people get a physical copy of a book, they don't throw it away. People don't just chuck that in the trash. They'll keep it even if they never read it, but they'll keep it on the shelf. And if it's on the shelf, they might read it someday. Now, a lot of people are going to flip through the book and say, well, somebody sent me a $20, $30 book. I should probably take a look at it. They feel like it's a gift and they start looking at it. And if they're interested, they'll read it. And if they read it, they're probably going to give you a call and say, hey, how can we work together? One company, not a client of mine, but there's a company out there called the Arbinger Group, and they published a book called Leadership and Self-Deception. It's a fantastic book. And they do between two and $14 million a year in consulting fees using this book as their primary, primary marketing tool. People read the book, and once they read it, they want to work with this company. This book was written over 20 years ago. They've had a 20-year run of 2 to $14 million a year in revenue based pretty much off of this one book. They have a few other books, but this is their big one that makes most of the money for them. Now, the only thing that they did wrong is the way that they published it. They have to pay a bunch of royalties on this book. They can't just print copies themselves, so they have to pay a bunch of money every time they get a copy to send out. But they send out a t- ton of copies of this book. And that's how they get a lot of business. Now they get business from people just buying the book too, because it's a great book and people spread the word. But again, this goes back to the question of marketing your book. You might not have to sell any copies at all to get a lot of business back from it. And there are people out there who have made millions of dollars for their business off of 200 books being out there. So you don't have to be a New York Times bestseller. You don't even have to be an Amazon bestseller to make a lot of money back off your book because you're not going to make it off the book sales. You're going to make it off of what people do after they read the book. We call that organic marketing. So we have a bunch of organic marketing techniques here. We talk to our podcasters about who to send it to, how to send it to them, how to prime the pump so that they'll get to listen to it. And I want to switch gears a little bit because you have your podcast. Uh, You've done a bunch of them now already, and you've interviewed some really high profile authors. How have you found that your podcast helps you continue to rise above the noise of your competition when it comes to other people who help people write books? Because, first of all, I don't really look at anybody as my competition. I look at everybody as a partner. And so I do have some great competitors, some people out there who do what we do at Published Author. And I think they do a fantastic job and I'm always trying to learn from them so I can make my company better. But... Neither of them, I, there are really two primary competitors, and I don't think I, one of them might have a podcast. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure the other one does not. Mm-hmm. And so just having a podcast differentiates me because I'm out there. 
And if you go and you search on podcasts for things like author and how to write a nonfiction book or author podcast or book writing podcast, things like that, I'm starting to come up in those searches. We just launched four months ago, so our right, podcast right. is still a little bit new. But because we're out there and other people aren't, already we've got a head start on them that way. But the great thing about the podcast is in just four months, I've been doing a ton of episodes because I love doing it. It's so mm -hmm. fun for me. So we've put out like 50 episodes in the first four months. And the amount of content out there now is reaching this critical mass where people are finding it and they're coming in and they're saying, gee, I've listened to a bunch of episodes on your podcast and I want to work with you because there's credibility there too. I mean, a podcast is like a book too. There's credibility once you have a podcast, especially for somebody who's never done a podcast because they feel like, oh, it's so hard. If you have a podcast, then that's amazing. We get people coming to us. The funny thing is that a lot of the benefit I've gotten from the podcast has not been so much the audience or the traffic coming from listeners. It's the people I'm connecting with as I interview them for the podcast. I have one company that somebody just gave me an introduction to this company. I'd never heard of them. And I thought, okay, I'll interview this guy. I don't even really know who he is. And I brought him on the podcast and I realized this company's great. And I have this offering and it was really expensive. But I thought, you know what? Some of my clients might be interested in this. And so he actually set me up on a referral agreement. And then I told some people about it and people signed up. And so off of this arrangement, this uh, referral affiliate agreement that I have with this guy, I've already brought in 20 grand in four months. Oh. So 20 grand oh. in revenue from this one relationship that I made with a guest who was on the show. And I've got other people who are signing up for this service as well. So I'm like, that's great. And another person signed up for the podcast. Same thing. I, I think she's paid me like $7,000 or something in affiliate commissions because of me referring other people to her. And I met her through the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm meeting all these great partners through the podcast. And then the final thing that I'm getting out of the podcast, which is really the biggest thing for me, is I am learning so much about what I do mm -hmm. through this podcast because I'm interviewing best-selling authors, editors, literary agents, book marketers. And as I interview these people, of course, I don't know everything. I, there, Nobody can know everything, but I'm learning so much that I didn't know. And then I take that into my groups and into my coaching. And then I can say, oh yeah, when you run into this situation, this is what you do. And people say, how do you know that? Well, I just interviewed this person last week for the podcast and that's what they do. And they're the expert on this. So I'm learning so much as a result of doing these interviews. I love doing a podcast interview. And when you get done with the interview, you immediately pick up the phone or you send an email to ideal clients, ideal prospects, other centers of influence and saying, oh my gosh, I just had this interview with this guy or this lady. I really think you should reach out. And it seems like the podcast community uh, is very reciprocal, right? If you're on somebody's podcast, the probability of you being on theirs is is a lot higher. Have you been on a bunch of other people's podcasts besides the one that you're on right now? I have. I've been on over a hundred podcasts as a guest, and it, yeah, it's great. Now it's fun to be able to return the favor too. I mean, like you say, it's cyclical. It's it's fun to give back, and it's fun to. I mean, when you're running a podcast and you're just starting it you feel like, well, who do I reach out to? You're going to reach out to who? And so it's fun now to be able to say, you know what? This guy had me on his podcast a couple of years ago and yeah, he's in the book industry. I should interview him for my podcast now that I'm focusing on the book industry and now I can give back 
and give him a little bit back, but he's also helping me out by being on the show and giving me extra content. Yeah. Now, as we wrap up today's show, I, I really want to take just a few minutes for you to talk about your ideal client, right? Uh, because if, if we can help more uh, of our listeners publish a book, if they are right for you, so let's start there. Uh, and then I have a couple other questions. So who do you really want to gravitate towards the published author company? For me, it's entrepreneurs who want to write a nonfiction book, a how-to book, a business book, essentially, that they can leverage to grow their business. Now, when I say entrepreneur, there is still a broad range of entrepreneurs, and we have different offerings for different entrepreneurs. So we have things, we have a masterclass that's, that meets every week, and it starts at $40 a month. So, I mean, we're literally targeting any budget with that. We also have high-end one-on-one coaching where we charge five grand a month for that. And we do elite ghostwriting where it's, we're talking six figures to get your book written because we bring in a ghostwriter who's written the New York Times bestselling mm -hmm. book and we're pulling out all the stops on marketing. So we have a really wide range of who we work for, but it really divides into two different groups of entrepreneurs. It's the entrepreneur who says, I want to write my own book. I've always had a dream of writing a book, but I could use a little guidance, a little help, maybe a little bit of accountability along the way. That's one group. The other one is the entrepreneur who says, I'm so busy. I have no desire to be a writer. I want to be an author, but not a writer. And can I just find somebody to do this for me? And that's the other end. And so those are the people who are hiring us for the ghostwriting services. They're saying, I don't want to write a book. Just write this thing for me. I just want to get it out there. And so we divide people into one of those two groups and we have offerings for the people who want to write their own book. And we have offerings for the people who say, can you just write it for me? We've got uh, we've got a couple of links that are showing up on the screen right now. And for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, all of these links are going to be in the show notes. What is the best way for people to go ahead and reach out to you, Josh? Publishedauthor.com. I also have my personal website at joshsteimley.com, but nobody can spell that. So just go to publishedauthor.com and you can find me through there. All right. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. That's where I'm the most active on social media. I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. If you were able to turn back the clock on this published author or really your journey as an influencer. And it's interesting because your influence is a little bit different because your level of influence is to help other people, much like us, become even more influential. You do it in the in the world of writing. We do it in the world of podcasting. If you could rewind and change maybe one or two things or give yourself a piece of advice on how you could accelerate your influence in your business even more, what, what do you think you should have done earlier on? Man, I could go on and on about this, but the the one thing I wish I would have done earlier is just getting started earlier because what kills me is that I didn't really start on this journey until 2013. Well, I started my business in 1999. What was I doing for 13, 14 years not doing this stuff? It just kills me. I mean, I was trying to do other stuff. I was blogging, but I should have known when I didn't get traction with blogging, you know, maybe you should try something else. And I wish I would have tried podcasting back then in the early days. And the second thing that I wish I would have done earlier is I wish I would have started an email list because it just kills me that I didn't really start doing email list building until 2015. And I have friends who started around 2002, 2003, and now they've got hundreds of thousands of people on their email list. I mean, think what you could do as an author if you had 100,000 people on an email list. You could blast it out. You sell 10,000 copies overnight. In fact... My friend Ben Hardy, 
He wrote his first book. He got a $220,000 advance on his first book as a first-time author because of the size of his email list. He had about, I think, 150,000 subscribers on his email list. And that's the power of having a big email list. And it just kills me that I didn't do that earlier. But this is all, that those two things are like, if you could go back in time, what would you sure. do, right? Yeah. So start those things now for sure. But let's say you want to write a book right now and you don't have time to wait 10 years to build your email list and do all this stuff. The things that I would do right now is I would start building a small community of very highly engaged people. And this could be 20 people, 30 people. It doesn't take that many. But if you have 20 or 30 raving fans, people who are really highly engaged in your content, that's all it takes to get things started. Because if you write a book and you publish it, those 20 people will buy it. Those 20 people will leave a review on Amazon. And there's kind of this magic number around 20 reviews on Amazon. If you can get 20 reviews on Amazon, then you're kind of in a different league. Because people go to an Amazon listing, they see three reviews, they feel like, what's wrong with this book? It must not be very good. But if you can get 20 out of the gate, then people say, oh, this book just came out last month. It's already got 20 reviews. Must be worth checking out. Yeah. So there's kind of this magic around 20 raving fans. And then those people will spread the word. They'll tell other people about your book. So if you can just focus on getting those 20 raving fans who will buy your book, who will leave a review, who will help you out, it's huge. They'll also leave reviews on your podcast if you launch a podcast. I mean, that's another thing is I wish I had started the podcast earlier because it would have been such a great vehicle for marketing my book and getting the word out there about my book. But live and learn. Best time to plant a tree, as they say, it was 20 years ago, but the second best time is today. Yeah. Josh, I want to thank you very much for being on the show. We'll make sure that we have all of the links in the show notes. And also, uh, for those of you joining us on the live stream, uh, we've been flashing links throughout. But if you have any questions, really just follow Josh on LinkedIn. He's He is wildly active on there and has a lot of really great information to not only talk about who he's going to be interviewing for his podcast, but also how you two can be a published author. So, Josh, thanks for being on the Be Your Own Lot podcast, man. Thanks, Matt, so much for having me. I want to take just a few minutes here or just a couple of seconds to just kind of wrap everything up today. There's lots of different ways to influence. We always talk about how podcasting is the way that we have found is the most, the easiest way for you to really accelerate your influence. But it, it could very well be writing. It could be blogging. It could be shooting video. For us here at Proudmouth, it doesn't really matter. All we want you to do is to find a way to rise above the noise and to truly be your own loud. If you want help with that in any media that you want to use, join our Influence Accelerator Academy, which is a link right there in uh, the show notes and also at the bottom here, proudmouth uh, forward slash dot academy. Take a look at that and see what you think, because much like what Josh has, if you have a very small budget, but you want to really increase your influence, the Academy is a great way to do that. And if you want to plug in to truly being able to use your voice as your primary means of marketing, just go ahead and reach out to me on LinkedIn or Kirk or anybody on our team. So for everybody at Proudmouth, uh, we'd like to say thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you on the other side of the camera or the mic very, very soon. Thank you for listening to Be Your Own Loud, where we reverse engineer success to help you accelerate your influence and break free from the torment of sales. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to our podcast, share with others in your company or profession, follow us on social media. This podcast is brought to you by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. Visit us at Proudmouth.com and join our Influence Accelerator Academy for free to enhance your marketing mindset and know-how.